Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and Chag Sameach, and Elias and Elise and Michelle. So, I was with you. Dan is right now leading Yispor in the early bird service, and will be joining us shortly. Um, I am so excited about this class, and I want to just start by thanking Elias for the idea. Last week, Elias came to me and said, hey, what about a class about the prophet Elijah? And that ended up being a treasure trove. Can you just tell us, Elias, why you said Elijah? What drew you to Elijah? Well, let's be honest here. So, um, everything's in first grade at school. <laughs> and I've done countless sessions of, with, uh, with the psychology, you know, to go over this. There were another Elias in the class. And my first grade teacher decided that he will be named Eliyahu and gave me the name, Hebrew name of Hillel. Who wants to be called Hillel? I mean, <laughs> Hillel, Hillel was a great, you know, we have many teachings of him, but my whole life, why I'm not Eliyahu? So that is all related to that. Well, it's something that I've been carrying on since first grade. But also, no, seriously talking, and that's kind of serious, but more, more seriously, but, you know, we always, we, we say Eliyahu all the time. We teach our to our kids, and we say the blessings after the Torah with Eliyahu and Avi and Pesach and everything, and and, and uh, we need to talk about this guy. Great. I'm so happy uh, that, that you brought it up. Um, let's, you have a nigun that's at the, to begin the class with Eliyahu. You have a nigun to end the class with Eliyahu. So take it away. All right. So this is a beautiful slow melody written by Craig Taubman, a great uh, Jewish composer in L.A. And it goes, it goes some, something like this. Before we do our prayer to thank God for the gift of learning Torah together, I want to build on that song to kind of frame the basic issue of, of Eliyahu. Um, Eliyahu is the most recurrent presence from the Hebrew Bible in Jewish ritual, in, in how we live as Jews. Uh, we, we saw him at our seders last Friday night. We saw him at our seders last Saturday night. Um, we always see him at a Brit Milah for uh, a new generation of Hebrew males that are born, our, our sons and our grandsons and our great-grandsons. Uh, the Sandak sits in the Kisei Shel Eliyahu. Uh, this coming Shabbos, every Shabbos and every holiday after the Haftarah, we name Eliyahu. Every Saturday night, we name Eliyahu. 
And any time a Jew does Birkat HaMazon, any time we do grace after meals, any time we bench, we talk about Eliyahu. Uh, more than, more than Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, more than and Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. That one is for you. You're the only one I know who puts Leah first. And more than Moses and Aaron, and more than Saul and Solomon and David, uh, Elijah is always there. And the question that, uh, and, and, and that haunting melody that you just sang from Craig Kaufman suggests a thoughtful, haunting, spiritual, anchoring thing. And yet, the question that presents itself is that Elijah in the Hebrew Bible is, and this is just shot, this is just the Torah speak, uh, is a, a hugely troubled presence. He is uh, a war criminal. He is a mass murderer. He slaughters 450 people. And we don't do anybody a credit, especially ourselves, God of Judaism, to whitewash that. He's a mass murderer. And so therefore, uh, the very notion, this mass murderer, who, by the way, is fired by God, is welfare satyrs and at our Britot, uh, it's a question. Like, how do we get there? So let's thank God for the gift of learning Torah together. And then we will pick it up from there. Baruch atah adnai, ahinu malach olam, asher kishanu mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Ha'arena adnai alameinu, et divrei Torahcha v'zinu, v'fiyam chave Yisrael, v'niya anachnu v'tzatzainu v'tzatzai amchave Yisrael, k'lani yudesh v'mehav v'lamdei v'tzatzai v'lishma, baruch atah adnai, before we delve into the text, I just wanted to invite uh, my beloved colleagues to respond kind of at a 30,000-foot level. Um, I just wanted to sharpen the question in one, one way. Um, we all know, we all know that any of us, all of us, in whatever field, we are defined by our worst moment, not by our best moment. And we all know that our worst moment has the potential and will cannibalize our best moment. Um, and we saw this floridly with, with Chris uh, Rock uh, and Will Smith. Will Smith hits Chris Rock, and no one talks about Will Smith winning um, the Best Actor Award for King Richard. And the next news is he's banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Um, of seconds of bad judgment, and that just that's the first line in his obituary. Um, and there's just countless examples where years of faithful service are undone by a few bad seconds. That's the general rule. And my question, and then I invite you guys to, to tackle this, is before we get into the text, at a high level, you know, Elias is bad, uh, Elias, Elijah's bad moment, Elijah's bad moment is war crime. It's atrocity. He's a butcher. He's the butcher of Har Carmel. So how that that our tradition sees fit to just kind of elide the fact that he's the butcher of Har Carmel? Why this is a departure from normal rule? It doesn't happen to the rest of us. We couldn't get past. We couldn't be the butcher of Har Carmel in our own way and and be invited to everybody's bris. Uh, so what is it? And how do you explain that the normal rule is suspended and his worst moment is a footnote? And now he's lovely, Eliyahu Hanavi. So colleagues, it's all yours. I think that's the norm. I don't think that's an exception. I mean, if you about American presidents like Andrew Jackson, who was a butcher of Americans, and we, like, 
we have the presidents up on Mount Rushmore. We we it, the the times that people commit, we we like to hold on to our ideas of them more than reality. Yeah, I, I'm gonna take it in a slightly different but similar direction, which is that I actually think that's a very modern lens that you're looking at this. I mean, what what Elijah did was fulfill the written word of God, which is to not tolerate idolatry, right? So idolatry and idolaters are not okay in ancient Jewish law. And therefore, what we today as moderns would see as a war crime, I think was very much seen as, as uh, you know, perhaps mugzam, right? But, but really, it's about purifying the, the people and the land and returning us worship of God rather than the worship of Baal. Jezebel is upset about it, right. but we, you don't hear a, a Jewish voice that, you know, that comes in until our Hispanic tradition definitely has some, some sense that he's more Pinchas, that right. our act was justified. The action is one that needs to be returned with a covenant of peace. Yeah, right. But, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, Jezebel was no saint. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I think that's exactly the point that I'm making is that it is that the only voice that you hear that's really up in fury about it is one that we're up in fury against okay. anyway. Time out, Michelle. I'm the You're arguing that let's just read this text um, and and then we'll talk about whether. Uh, I'm not, not just to be clear. The you're, I know you're not in favor of war crimes. Justified. You're not. You're not pro war crimes. But. <laughs> But the question that you're raising, Michelle, is a narrow question, which is, to me, is is the reaction of a modern, this is a war crime, this is yes. atrocious, this is a beyond the pale, this man is a monster, this man yes. is a butcher, which is my read, yeah. is that a funkadelic 21st century read, yes. or is that the biblical shot? Yes. And, I, and you, it seems like you're arguing it's a, it's a funkadelic 21st century read, and I'm arguing it's the biblical shot, and I'm going to make two cases. Okay, let me just... Yes, me but just don't look. simplify that much, Wes, because I actually, I think it's more nuanced than that, right? In the same way that our biblical text takes Pinchas right. and says that his deed when he right. slayed Zimri and Cosby was right. the right deed, and right. yet it cannot go unanswered, I think there's a very similar feeling about okay. Eliyahu Can here. I so, something? Yeah, yes. So, a couple of things. Unfortunately, with your vision... Uh, the Bible and the it's filled with occasions like that. Think about the story of Purim, how right. it ends, you know. Right. All the bloodshed. Yes, like 30,000, right. I think is the number. Yeah. Okay, one thing. I have a question for you that at some point I want you to answer. Yeah, a sure. couple of weeks ago you said, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that you are not so much in favor of doing a ritual that doesn't speak to you. Right. Something like, you know, like right. a, like a Trogan Lulav and stuff like that. Oh, you may recall yeah. that we all end, not you because you're in the chapel or somewhere else, at the end of Yom Kippur, right. we end with Adonai Huga Elohim, screaming, I say it, and everybody repeats. Yes. That is what they say after they butcher yeah. the... the yeah, we we, that was our whole... So how does this... First of all, why is it put there? Yeah. In the we didn't butcher anything. We've been praying and starving the whole day, and yeah. then, you know, we say Adonai Elohim. Yeah. And second, why do you repeat it after me? Yeah. Well, okay, so first of all, that was the exact question five of us with Dan talked about this year 
Emmy Mincha Naila. We taped that show before Yom Kippur. That's exactly the question. So let's read it. I want to read it. And if you're... But please answer that. Yeah, I'm happy to Okay. So this is this uh, contest on Mount Carmel. It's Elijah as the one prophet of God and 450 false prophets against Baal. Um, then fire from the Lord descended and consumed the burnt offering of Elijah. Share this is on page 11. We're on page 11 of the handout, but I'll just read it. The wood, the earth, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. In other words, Elijah does this whole contest, and the false prophets can't get anything going. Elijah just says, hey, God, come on now, and boom, fire. And it's just a magical show of force. And then verse 39, and this is the verse that Eli- Elias is mentioning, and this is the verse that we say at the very end of Yom Kippur, 25 hours of fasting later. When they saw this, all the people flung themselves on their faces and cried out, the Lord alone is God, the Lord alone is God, Adonai Hu Elohim, Adonai Hu Elohim. Great. Right. Now, so what happens next? Let's just do a counter-narrative, okay? What's a nice counter-narrative? So, Eliyahu could then, uh, you know, invite all the Israelites back to Shul for Kiddush, and could process, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? And what are you going to do? And what's the change it's going to make? And what's the delta? And how are you now going to recommit to Yahweh, the king, the true God, right? And what are you going to do to rid yourself of the Canaanite stuff and Baal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? That would have been leadership, right? But here's what he does. Then Elijah said to the people, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not a single one of them get away. They seized them, and Elijah took them down to the Wadi Kishon, and slaughtered them there. By the way, the word is Vaishchatem Sham. He slaughtered them. He's a slaughterer. He's a butcher. 450. He could have taken them to the Adelson Community Hall, his people, and talked about what difference will this make. He could have talked to them about how do you increase your devotion to God. He could have talked about the challenges of getting rid of Canaan idolatry, but instead he slaughtered them. Now, say just so modern. Okay, so I want to say, no, guess who slaughters false prophets? Guess who slaughters prophets? Jezebel. Jezebel slaughters the prophets of Yahweh. Guess what happens to Jezebel? She ends up getting thrown off the roof by Yehu, the general, and she ends up getting eaten to death by dogs, so you couldn't even recognize her. So this woman's act of killing prophets is in the Bible itself. That's her end. Thrown roof, torn apart. In other words, the Bible, and one last thing, and then I'll stop. Um, in the very next chapter, which we'll look at, um, Elijah is fired. He's fired by God. So I'm still wondering what is he doing so, at our center table. Okay, so he's – okay, the fired by God we're going to get to because yeah. it's, the rabbinic take on that is very different than what you're going with right now. But yeah. can I just say Jezebel, if you look through a biblical lens, yeah. she slaughters the true prophets of God. Right, and he's lowering himself to her level well, by slaughtering he, prophets. As Moses did post the golden calf, no less than Moses. I think. I think. I, I mean, think, I, I, I. You know, my view, I, Michelle. Michelle, I, I, like, I, I like you, and I always usually I'm convinced <laughs> by you, but I, I, but I have a hard time today. I have a hard time today. I so, have a hard time today because so, it's exactly what Wes you are saying. You know. He has shown the other the other prophets, the false prophets, what right. 
Adonai could do. Yes, that was enough. That was enough. Why to slaughter 400? Right. right. So I, I, wait, I the Michelle, I don't think we do that. Hold on, hold on. We don't the do people, him or the tradition of favor. The people flung at themselves yeah. on, and they say, Adonai hu Elohim. Right. The prophets of Baal is a different, that's another category of people. They are continuing to cling to the, the or at least their their job is right. to worship Baal. You've got to expunge idolatry. I'm just looking really through the ancient this? lens. I, I'm with I, Michelle. I'm just looking through You're the defending. ancient lens. I'm You're defending, defending the butcher I, of Mount no, Carmel. I, okay, not defending, but we have a biblical lens where God God instructs the people to slaughter idol worshipers. That is literally God's instruction. So then we have to be looking at it within that context. Now, Elijah what? does. It is two, 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 two. Then, what's your position? Bring some light, Lord. Yes, before you do, right? Before you do, okay. Can I just say um, our mandate as a people, when God first connected Abraham, is to do justice and righteousness. And the prophets that we really revere, like Avraham Avinu, has a conscience. And I think it's really dangerous to role model it's okay to not have a conscience and it's okay to follow orders, right? Following orders never ends well. So I don't understand why you're justifying a following orders rationale. Um, because that, that's all he – your defense basically Are boils down to he's, he's following orders. And that never ends well. No, he's not, not that he's following orders. orders. He's, he's not the breaking the orders. orders. No, you're saying that he's following We're God's order. But anyway, we can. We don't have to get hung up on this. I don't. I don't see how you can defend the indefensible. I don't see you can defend a war crime. Lord Nesson, earn your title, Lord, and tell me I'm right. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I came a little bit late to the to the energy here. Um, no, I, I guess I, you know I, I'm with you, Wes, and I, Michelle. When you mentioned that Moshe, you know, um, it's really. When, really the, when, the earth, when the earth swallows up, it really God is one opening up the earth to right. swallow up the people. So, so Moshe is not doing that, right? Um, right, and I, I guess I agree. It is the, it isn't constable. Okay, right. You, you know, in other words, the the point has been proven. Calling out day and night, night and day, baal, 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 baal doesn't work. And then everybody that's there that witnesses this is clearly seeing, ah, you know, Adonai Elohim. Uh, not you know the, all the people. Everyone sees this, right? And so when when then all these prophets are slaughtered, uh, it's it, it really. I mean, it's, it's the worst po- potential. It's the worst behavior possible. Right. Uh, I, 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 I I know Lizzie yeah, disagree with me. Then Michelle. you were yes. saying that God has done, but here clearly the text it says, it's, and He yeah, slaughtered. Elijah, yeah, 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 Elijah did. It, so I'm saying. Right. So so that's in, what Elijah did here. What Elijah did here, I think, is indefensible. So I by the way, so the way, okay, wait, let's just so we don't. I just want to get out of this. I'm, little, not, I'm not defending. Yes. So I just want to be really clear. Yes, I'm not defending Elijah or saying that what he did was good. Okay, what I am saying is that your paradigm that somehow what he did was beyond the pale in terms of the biblical imagination and understanding of what a prophet is and what a prophet is supposed to do, the zealotry for God is real. This is an extension. He is perhaps like Pinchas, a little overzealous, but he is, but, but actually he is the natural. So can I just say, just think Putin, think Russia, think Ukraine. I just think this is like, and I, and I'll come back to answer your question, Adonai Elohim. When I say Adonai Elohim, um, I'm both thinking about when can I get my cup of coffee, uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking about, uh, Lord, there is a real danger 
in groupthink. There's a real danger in groupthink. And one of the main purposes of conscience and religion is that we don't, don't fall prey to it. We don't want to become Hitler's willing executioners. Right? There's a serious danger of becoming Hitler's willing executioners by being silent, by quieting our conscience, etc. I mean, you just, you, all of us have seen these stories of people in Russia today who defend the war, who argue it's not a war, it's a military operation, they're denazifying, etc., etc., etc. There's a serious danger of groupthink. And I think the charge of Adonai Hu Elohim said right before a mass slaughter is that we never do that. That our religion, like if Adonai is our Elohim, that it's just to rouse our conscience so that we don't... Can do I that. say something and then we should move on to the yeah, next no, topic? We'll yes. From now on, I yes. promise every single song of Shabbat Alive will be in a lower key so you don't slaughter me. <laughs> you know, I'm a concern okay, so about that. Okay. So okay. I promise I'll do well to you. Yeah, I feel like there's an important thing because yeah, one of the things that, that sort of troubles me, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure how well this fits into a modern narrative, but I think if you're going to try to make that leap, then it's important to say that the, the distinction, it's not the prophets of Baal through their souls on this. It's very clear that it's just the people. And, right. and that's an important right. uh, addendum because what you have, or you have, if, if you're living in Elijah's mindset, you have a lot of people that are putting forth harmful information that's going to lead people to make bad life choices. And it actually endangers, the, if you live in Elijah's mindset, that information that the prophets of Baal are putting forward, they are very subversive, they are very persuasive, they are going to turn the people again away from God, and that's going to cause literal damage. So killing them actually is an important life-saving measure for the people. And that's how Elijah... You just draw a straight line, a straight line. From de- that to defending January 6th. But wait, Daniel Matt, Daniel yeah, Matt this is in a this false book, election. West, this is a big lie. We're going we're gonna to bring not, violence. I'm I just think defend, I'm, that's I'm the abandonment of civilization. We have to, when we look at Elijah and we're trying to understand our tradition, if we just demonize him, what are we going to end up with? You're going to take him out of the city. You're going to take him out of everything. We're going to lose that connection. No. I think there's a value mm-hmm. within a complexity uh, no, we, of right. possibility. And Let's not lose sight here. Let's not lose sight that that Jezebel was Phoenician, right? She wasn't Jewish. And all these prophets of Baal were not Jewish either. So this is like, sorry, I'm with you, Wes. This is like attacking other people. This is not Jewish people who are saying, let's praise another another set of gods. No, this is different people with different beliefs. If you look at the context, yes. because Daniel Matt actually brings this up, the challenge of the generation that is preceding right. Elijah is one in which there has been a lot of marriage with women who have been idol worshippers, like right. Jezebel, who have led the men, you know, quote-unquote, astray right. from worship of God. These right. ideas actually have power, right. and dislodging them has been profoundly so, right. difficult right. in so, this time. Got it. So I want to move on to the next one yet, but I just want to say one thing of what Elijah did, and not to a spoiler alert or to tell this series, but <laughs> the Elijah that we bring to our center tables is not this Elijah. The Elijah that we bring to the center tables is rabbinic Elijah who's a caring, loving person. And so the mystery and miracle of Elijah is that, is that he changes. And he grows and evolves in ways, by the way, that I don't think the rest of us humans are entitled to by society. Because if we do that kind of atrocity, we don't get to 
you know, have a, a whole new uh, second act where we become a stuff. Elijah does, but a lot of the Mount Carmel butcher um, is is kind of reduced to a footnote uh, in terms of uh, the rabbis of the Talmud, and, and we'll see this the next the next chapter about rabbinic Elijah. Uh, he becomes soft and caring and gentle and etc. So he changes. That's the Elijah that we bring. But I want to come back again to the Peshat. Uh, um, uh, Michelle, maybe if you'll read the story on page 12 and 13. This is the this is the story of what happens to Elijah next. Of course, he's on the run, and Jezebel wants to kill him, and he goes into the desert, and he's given some miraculous, you know, food that allows him to go 40 days. And he ends up going now to guess where Moses' mountain, the mountain of God at Horeb. There he went into a cave, and he spent the night. We're on page 12. There's just a few paragraphs. Michelle, you read, then the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said... Why are you here, Elijah? He replied, I am moved by zeal for the Lord, for the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left, and they are out to take my life. Come out, he called, and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And lo, the Lord passed by. There was a great and mighty wind, splitting mountains and shattering rocks by the power of the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a soft murmuring sound. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his mantle about his face and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice addressed him, Why are you here, Elijah? He answered, I am moved by zeal for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and have put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left, and they are out to take my life. Okay, so let's just um, pause for a second before the end. So God asked Elijah the same question, why are you here, twice. So if you just diagram this, why are you here? And then he says, you know, I'm the only super zealous one, and no one else is zealous, and no one else gets you, and I'm just super zealous for you. Then you have this experience where where is God, and not in the fire, and not in the storm, and not in the thunder, but in cold the still small voice. Okay. Then, n- next time, um, hey, Elijah, why are you here? And he gives the same answer, unchanged, unchanged by the revelation of God in cold Elijah just doesn't have that band on his frequency. Okay? Pick up the rest that of it. That is another big connection of Eliyahu. They call the Mamadaka. Right. From here. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Michelle, put, finish it up. The Lord said to him, Go back by way you came, onto the wilderness of Damascus. When you get there, and anoint Hazel as the king of Aram, and also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king of Israel, and appoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel Mechola, to succeed you as prophet. Whoever escapes the sword shall be slain by Jehu, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu shall be slain by Elisha. By the way, how are you thinking right. God feels about right. slaying Keep going, keep going. Right keep going. Read one more. Just, so just I, not to make I, a point. Yeah, 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 I will leave. <laughs> I'm happy to get this. I will leave in Israel. I will leave in Israel only 7,000. Every knee that has not been to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Great. Says God. God. Yes, perfect. So <laughs> now let's talk about Wait, hold on. No. <laughs> No, not mic drop. 
not Minecraft. Brian's yeah, apologies. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of his work, not the end of his work. Okay, so what happens here? Just what's what is, colleagues? What's your sense of the shot of what Michelle just read? <laughs> what God believes it is important to kill idol worshippers. I believe is the shot of that text. Okay, we'll get to that. And no, 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 no. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, and no, what happens? No, but time out, time out, time out. Why then? Why, why then? Why then? What happens to uh, Elijah? What's the shot of what happens to Elijah? But what happens What's to Elijah? Is because no, 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 I have a question for Elijah. She's yes. looking only Do you believe in God, Elijah? So. This is, I think, one of the biggest challenges of our tradition and the challenge of our class, which is how do you hold the most horrific um, lived religious zealotry and a beautiful religious tradition that really is supportive for us? And I think God here, right, Eliyahu, Elijah doesn't change. Elijah comes to this place, and it doesn't matter. Actually, God's revelation of God's self, and, you know, God's out in the fire and God's out in the wind, but none of that actually moves him. His answer remains the same before God's appearance and after God's appearance. He's the same. He's unchanged, but God— And therefore, is he not fired? Is that the shot? No, God says, I'm oh with my you. God. I'm going to kill all these people. I believe oh, wait, wait, wait. Alisa, Alisa, respond my question, please. Do you believe in that, in that God that I kills did. people and say, kill whoever doesn't worship me? We read this text every year. I read these texts every year. If I if I wasn't okay with holding the complexity within the text, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been become a know, rabbi. Just to answer my own question, I feel right. more comfortable saying this guy butchered four hundred people than saying this was wish. But so he's anyway, not but, fired okay. because of the people he kills on the mountain. Indeed, God is actually saying, go out and do more. Right, do right. more. Okay, do so, more. Okay, so there's two issues here. First of all, what happens to Elijah? Second of all, God's voice. Okay? Right. So the answer to God's voice, I mean, from the Torah itself, is far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the universe judge justly? I mean, we know the answer to this. This is in our toolkit. You're case. saying called you Abraham need Elijah Abiel. to stand up to God. Yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah. There's a man named Abraham who does that. He's, by the way, the founder of our faith. Who, by the way, Abraham, Abraham not role, Elijah's story. And Abraham role models, you know, far be it from you, shall not the judge of the entire universe judge justly, right? And, and, and Elijah, and this, by the way, this is, is on page 31 of this, uh, the Daniel mat brings Midrashim, far wiser and older than me, who say that, he get, that Elijah gets replaced because he only has, uh, uh, that Eliyahu, um, Elijah, get, uh, Elijah gets replaced because he only has one move. Yeah. He only has one voice. But, He's unchanged. He's just oh, Okay, Zill. but to be fair, yeah. reading, if you're going to quote this book, yeah. Daniel Matt says he gets fired because he's looking internally. What's this about for me? He has forgotten the role of a prophet. And the role of the prophet is to say your people, God, need you. Right. And if you want to quote Daniel Matt, Daniel Matt attributes that this moment when he gets fired, or rather when he's told that he has an end, to he's his leadership. His he's not right. relieved of his duties. He said eventually he's, he's, he's given, but for he's now given Elijah is to be relieved of his prophetic duties. Uh, correct, Since but he's, he's given a task to do before right. he does that, by the way, which has to do with continuing to expunge idolatry from the land. Right. And then, after that, he says, you know what, you're not going to be the guy to go to the distance, just like Moses is not should, the guy to go to the desert. Very important question. You were saying that it wasn't Elijah, the one who slaughtered, that that was God's wish. How is it possible that God then... No, Elijah definitely slaughtered them. 
Okay, but you were saying that you guys were saying that that was what God wanted. I, right? I'm not sure. How is that possible? Well, let me finish. How is it possible that the same God who wants that and Elijah, uh, Elijah does that for him or she ends up saying, you you don't you're not good anymore. Right. I'm I'm not sure, by the way, that in the moment God would have said, please go and do this for me, any more than with Pinchas, mm-hmm. with Zimri and Gri, that God would have said, please do so, this. That said, right. here in the end, if you want to use this as a proof text, right. this is actually God coming along after the fact and saying, I'm okay with what you did. It's about expunging idolatry. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think on the shot of the text, you can't say that he's fired because he did the slaughter. That's uh, it. That's no, my okay, one please. small point. Okay. Uh, Mr. Gaston. So, um, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of with you, Michelle, because I think what's happening here is that God, as you said, was God is firing, uh, firing him because when God reveals himself in all these ways and it doesn't change, that's, you know, that, that's the one move that he has. You know, I, I'm zealous, zealous for you, that's it. That, that's why he's fired, because he's incapable of, of, of modulation, of, 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 of modulation just of seeing a different right. perspective. Right. So I think I think that's what's And happening. I did want to say, and by I, the way. Just, let me say yeah. one, one thing quickly. So we, we, just, we just said about Pinchas. I mean, Pinchas gets his uh, breach shalom, and nobody has any idea what that means. But I think uh, I think it's actually related to shalom meaning shleimuts, that Pinchas needs to spend the rest of his life becoming whole again. Uh, and I think that this, what, what's happening here is that um, that um, Elijah's not capable of becoming whole again, and therefore he has to be replaced. Right. Okay, so I want to just so that we, um, we're, we're running out of time here. I want to just bring out, uh, I want to. Yeah, I have to say this. First great teacher, you name a Hillel. Why didn't you name Eliyahu? So much Jews in this stuff. Yes. Uh-huh. I'll never forgive uh, one, you. One last thing, and then I, I want to share one last text, and then I want to just, that you could do a lot of inside baseball. Inside rabbi, you know, hermeneutical text stuff about Elijah. I want to bring this back to our Seder table, to our Britot, to our service now where we're bringing Eliyahu in. Um, but before we do, um, there is the very end of Eliyahu's life, uh, or questionable end, when he leaves the pages of history in the, in the Bible, with the fiery charioteer. So we're on page 15. Eliyahu, would you please read that? Read from verses 9 through um, 14, which is Elijah's last verses in this two kings story. As they were crossing, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha answered, Let a double portion of your spirit pass on to me. You have asked a difficult thing, he said. If you see me as I am being taken from you, this will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they kept on walking, talking, a fiery chariot with fiery horses suddenly appeared and separated one from the other. And Elijah went up to heaven on a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and cried out, O oh, Father, Father, Israel's chariots and horsemen. When he could no longer see him, he grasped his garments and rent them in two. He picked up Elijah's mantle, which had dropped from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Taking the mantle which had dropped from Elijah, he struck the water and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? As he too struck the water, it parted to the right and to the left, and Elisha crowed. I just have something on a personal note. Our daughter, 
is named Yardena Adarit for this verse. Mm. She's named for this verse, right? Yardena because of the Jordan. And her middle name is Adarit, which is the mantle of mm. Eliyahu that now is mm. held by Elisha. So you named that. her after a murderer? Is that you? I named her. No, <laughs> no, no. No. Love me, no. Love me, son. <laughs> no. I named no, Dan, <laughs> I named her after a murderer's mantle, not after a murderer. There's a difference in the world between a murderer and a murderer's mantle. A mantle. Oh mantle, my God. Not a murderer. You outdid yourself. I, I apologize, by the way. We, Dan, we all love you. Oh my God. That's after 10,000 minions we share together. You just stick the knife in. I'm so vulnerable and exposed, and you stick the knife in. Um, okay, uh, what is the meaning of this fiery chariot? Um, and, and by the way, he just what I mean, there's answer anything you want, but what's interesting is that one verse that I've never understood about it, and as you can see, because I named my daughter after the mantle, um, I've always loved the story and been drawn to it, but here's the verse, part of it I've never understood. Um, as they're crossing, Elijah said to Alicia, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken for you. And that is, um, and that's a question that anybody's leaving the world wants to know. When our loved ones are last and they're on the pillow and they're surrounded, what can I do for? What can I give you? Right, that's a human question. I give you my shot. No, he said he didn't ask that question yet. Alicia answered, "Let a double portion of your spirit pass on to me." So I want like your ruach. I want times two. I need times two to get through. I need times two to get through. This is the part that I've never understood. Um. Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. Hikshita lishol. Hikshita lishol, what you're asking for is difficult. And then he says, if you can see me when I'm being taken away, then you can have that double portion. And my question, I mean, so all of this is open to your, for your interpretation, but I especially appreciate what your, your views on you have asked a difficult thing. Um, like wanting a double portion of our beloved father's spirit, a double portion of our beloved mother's spirit, that seems very human. Why is that a difficult thing? But anyway, colleagues, explain. Yeah, I was going to go somewhere else, but then I come back to it. To me, the, the shot of this, you know, following my rabbinical um, colleagues, this looks like, you know, when somebody is writing a book and then that book is incomplete and somebody else comes and finishes it, this is what looks to me. It's like this is an undeserved reward for somebody who didn't deserve. Like this idea that he's been taken to the, to the heavens by, by the chariot. There's so many other people in the Bible that deserve that more if that is seen as somebody like a reward. I'm going with God and I'm going to be forever special because right. I don't die. Right. To me, that is completely Completely out of place is as if somebody else came and wrote this book. So, by the way, that is if you, if you got the Daniel Matt book, Becoming Elijah, and just real quick, like, what do you think of the book? Epic. Not as epic as then mm -hmm. comment, but epic. Well, I haven't started. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I love what he does, and particularly what he does in right. the transition will help get us out of our ditch. Okay, but, but uh, uh, this is on the chance. cover of this book is exactly this moment. Exactly. And you're saying that your is it's undeserved. Why does Elijah get this, you know, primo treatment? Can I jump in? Yes, please. So I actually think if we're going to take this seriously, I believe that Elijah is able to see and experience spiritual realities that other people aren't. And what he's saying to Elisha is I 
I can only give you what you can hold, what you can manage. And so if you have the spiritual vision that you're able to see my journey, then you already got it. Then you're going to be able to do the downloading and you're going to be able to do the spiritual work and you're going to be able to live it on. But if not, there's nothing that I can do to help you because you have to be on your own spiritual journey and you have to be enough of a spiritual being that you can take this on. And that's up to you, not up to me. So if it's up to me, I'm giving it to you, but you have to be up to the challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, like Daniel Matt actually fills in a beautiful thing where he says the double portion is not necessarily I want twice as much right. as you have, but it's about being his son. It's right. about that's what the firstborn son gets. And that's super helpful because in many ways, right, all of us try to live and embody the values of our parents but also try not to live our lives as them. We have our own legacy that we have to do, and perhaps that's part of what Alicia is Yeah, that's is beautiful, saying both of you were saying, him. but it doesn't refer anything to what I say. Why, for example, is not Moses taking in a chariot of fire? But that's right, not so the question of this, right. this text. We're just that's looking at Elijah. Question. I know, but my that's, that's too You're big of a question for this class. Which is, right. that's what I did to Elisa. You Lisa. sat down once in his yes. chair? Yes. And you read all these questions to yes. poor Elisa. So I did it so once, but I read The yeah. thing that's missing is something that, that Daniel Matt beautifully fills in, where he says that after the prophets of Baal and after that slaughter, Elijah's next move is actually a, a quiet prayer by himself. And... It, it was actually a brilliant and fascinating insight to see that actually, although it appears when Elijah's on the mountain that he's not doing any personal growth, right? There is this moment in which he understands that his Torah and the fact that he can't do, like he is this prophet of, of zeal. That's who he is. And that's why we have the need in that quiet prayer he understands you, you do have the need for somebody who has a different Torah in the same way that when the people go into the land, they need not Moses but Joshua. And he and that double portion that he's getting, he says, that, that's difficult because my Torah is different than your Torah. And, you, and your time is going to demand a different Torah and than my Torah. Can we just end before we get to – here's the penultimate question. And then the ultimate question. The penultimate question is, in what way is this fiery chariot, which is kind of unique, it's kind of sui generis in the Hebrew Bible. I mean, he's the only character who gets swirled away by a fiery chariot. In what way is that an appropriate response to his life? And then the second, and then the, and then the second question is, um, just and we've got you know, several more weeks of Elijah to go from the Daniel Matt book. But what is what are we to do with this? Complicated. I'll just use complicated. And, uh, it, to me, butcher of Mount Carmel. But given all your your amb- ambivalences, I'll just call them complicated. You can never go wrong with complicated, complex, layered. Uh, what are we supposed to do with this layered, complex personality um, in our lives? Like when we say the blessing after the half Torah today. So, uh, why? In what way is the is the chariot of fire an appropriate response? And what do we do with Elia? Who will just go around real quick, Elisa? So I think that we encounter Elijah with all of our preconceptions and and our own complication. And the chariot of fire invites us to consider that there may be a more uh, deep and profound spiritual connection that he has with God that potentially he has to teach us. And I think he leaves us like Elisha, being like, if we have the vision to see more depth spiritually, then we might be able to download some of his blessings. 
To me, this Elijah doesn't speak to me at all. At all. I cannot wait for two weeks from now for the rabbinical Elijah. All right? That's the one I usually pray to, and not this one. And uh, to me, it's still a puzzle why this image of the of the fire, you know, with the, with the book, the cover of the book, it gets just for Elijah, thinking if this is type of image that we see it as a reward for somebody who has done well and now gets to heaven. Why him and not others who deserve it even more? Lord Desmond. So um, Elias, I'm thinking what you, what you just said, and I'm thinking about the fact that do we know that being uh, that being taken in a fiery chariot is actually a reward? When we think about Elijah, he is. It's really about his fiery personality, and fire can go both ways. It can be a depth of spirit. It can also be uncontrolled. So this, I think, combination going on, the, the controlled and uncontrolled. I think of that old movie about the runners and, you know, the image of, um, you know, chariots of fire, right? And what, what was that? Right. You think about that, that movie, you think about what, what was the depth of that movie? It was the depth of the, of the very complex, you know, layered um, uh, spiritual issues that go along with people that, that, that choose a certain... Uh, we need zealots. In, in every age. I mean, we need people actually who have passion to fight for, for what they believe are right. We need them today in Mariupol. We need them. We needed them in World War II when the American soldiers went over and liberated and redeemed. You need people who have righteous vision and who are willing to do it. And you need to be very careful about them and, and make sure that that's not where they stay because the world cannot stay in that place. We need to move to a place of redemption, and I, too, can't wait and look at the rabbinic Elijah because I think the rabbis really give us that sense of how he grows by confronting in every ritual moment his zealotry and seeing that the world actually is different now than the world that he confronted. Well, my last comment before we do the second and last Nagun is I think we don't get the Elijah residence. Unless and until we deeply account biblical Elijah a profound moral failure. If you don't see him as a profound moral failure, then what's this whole project for? Right? And, and if you're going to bring in the modern world, the modern world is you need people who stand up to Hitler in Germany. You need people who stand up to Putin in Russia. Um, and you need people who, when, when the standard in the world is, I kill prophets, see Jezebel. You don't respond by saying, oh, I kill prophets too. Actually, I'll kill even more. You killed 100 prophets, I'm going to kill 450 prophets. What you need is la'asot tzedakah umishpat, somebody who can transcend the muck and transcend the morass and say justice and righteousness. And someone who can say to God, when God says, I'm going to kill another bunch of thousands, somebody who can say, like Abraham said, how dare you? This is how far be it that the judge of the world should judge justly, and that Elijah doesn't do it and can't do it and is all rage uh, is a profound moral failure. But the reason we bring him into our personal lives at our choicest moments is because he grows. Nigun. Yeah, so this... Thank you. Thank you, Wes, for bringing this class. It's so rich. I love it. Uh, I grew up with this melody in Argentina. It's much more fiery, in a way, to end the class. And it goes like this. 
Shabbat Shalom, Chag Sameach.